Hi folks, I'm Alan Wharton. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on February the 26th, 2017. I don't know if, if you've noticed that the weather's been really weird this last week. And what's even weirder is that the weather forecast for Canada, for this part of Canada that I'm in especially, um, has been wrong every darn day for at least a week. And... Um, what I have noticed, what I did notice before I knew that what I'm going to tell you, what I did notice is that listening to the radio stations in the U.S. and coming out of Ohio and other places, I was getting exactly the same weather as they were at the same time that things were happening. Same temperatures, same everything pretty well. And a couple of nights ago I had an incredible thaw, very fast thaw, uh, and, and an ice storm at the same time coming down. And the, the, and then the following day, it was back to freezing again. Uh, quite something. And then it was a couple of nights ago, I found out that uh, the old harp facility in Alaska had been uh, reopened and used again for a week, which kind of coincided with, with the, the weather, of course. And people who remember... Back years ago, I did talks on HARP and other things too, of course. But HARP uh, installation in Alaska is the High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program. And it's a, a whole, it's acres and acres of uh, antenna, very powerful antenna, um, and a very powerful system that puts particular frequencies up into the atmosphere, way up into the ionosphere, in fact, and it can, can alter the a whole bunch of things, not just the, uh, the, the aurora borealis, and, and make that happen, which they were hoping to do this last week. And it's still going on, apparently. But also they, they mentioned that years ago, when Nick Bagage did his, uh, put his book out, Angels Don't Play This Harp, uh, talked about all the things that they could do with it at that time too, and it still is, of course, naturally. It's, it's still part of the U.S. military, but it was the, the Department of, um, it was a naval department that ran it, and the Air Force as well, the U.S. Air Force. At uh, that time, the universities involved in it now too, and that's who supposedly was working with it this time, the University of Alaska Fairbanks, and. Um, they mentioned at the time, as I say, years ago, that they could also alter the jet stream. They could alter it and bring uh, and move it, in fact, and, and bring it right down to the earth. It's not supposed to touch the ground, but they could bring it down to, to the earth level if they want to and cause incredible storms and winds, uh, chaotic winds and very damaging winds and things like that. And that's exactly what we'll be noticing again. But that's just coincidence, of course. They'll tell you that's coincidence because according to the, the public relations announcements that put out about HARP getting used again. It's just a fun, fun thing, you see. It's all fun. And they even mention in some of the articles that conspiracy theorists might think this or think that. This is what you get standard now. Anything out of the military, and these are military releases, uh, Pentagon releases, anything they give out, uh, they immediately cover the backlash before the backlash even happens. Uh, so anyone who, who mentions, isn't that kind of strange? Oh, that's a conspiracy theory. You're nuts. You're a conspiracy theorist. And that's how they do it. That's standard standard with every everything that's done today, by the way. Even when things are happening, 
Uh, you're being told constantly not to think that or do that or it's bad to think that or whatever it happens to be. That, that's your technique now. That's a very clever psychological technique that's throughout all the information today that's released from your masters upon high. But anyway, this article here says Harp goes classical during new experimental campaign. This is a happy, happy article. So the just concluded uh, runoff ionospheric investigations, this investigations are doing, you see, conducted from Alaska's high frequency active role research program observatory, quite likely the most powerful high frequency transmission facility in the world, revived a latent shortwave listener lurking within most radio amateurs operating under Part 5 Experimental License, and they give you the license number. Harp this month even aired some classical music as it conducted its first scientific research campaign. So there you are, it's just entertainment uh, since being taken. That's what the, the Pentagon's into, of course, is entertainment. Being taken over 18 months ago from the military. Of course, the military is still involved, it's still theirs, by the University of Alaska Fairbanks Geophysical Institute. Now, you just don't hand something that was designed literally is an incredibly powerful weapon, and also an anti-missile system too, supposedly. It can can do a lot of things. It can also block out uh, whole areas of of, um, frequencies if it wants to cut off all your information. Anyway, so it's just a fun, fun thing right now. Uh, So the UAF Space Physics Group Assistant Research Professor Chris Fallon and they give you the KL3WX, focused on two experiments, one called Air Glow, that literally aimed to light up the ionosphere, and another to demonstrate the so-called Luxembourg effect. First noticed in a 1930s radio, Luxembourg broadcast, public engagement was part of his plan. And Fallon this week said that Twitter and email feedback from the transmission had been fantastic. So they're just playing with, you know, millions of watts and millions of amperages of power uh, to, to superheat the atmosphere, which before was criticized for actually <laughs> uh, superheating it and having birds drop out of it, but that doesn't matter. That's a conspiracy theory, of course, when that happens. But it does superheat the atmosphere, and it can cause explosions in the atmosphere, uh, which they've tried out too, and they always blame them on meteorites, which are never never show up on... on uh, any kind of um, radar, apparently. There was one in Australia, and in the same year, I think the one before that was one in went down the west coast of Canada into the States and set off car alarms and everything uh, all the way down. And that's immediately came out. Oh, must have been a meteor, you see. But that's actually what they do. They superheat the atmosphere, and, and they can, it can only literally explode in certain areas. It's quite something. But uh, here, that's all fun, fun, and it's just a radio thing, and getting all the radio guys involved in it. And I, I heard it too, my in, in my radio, I could pick it up. And uh, there was two signals. It's famous for that. Two particular signals, where they can they got their main signal and a carrier signal, so they can actually hook another signal on its back. That's why the military were so heavily involved in this, because they actually said in uh, declassified information uh, that they could but a carrier signal on that could affect the human brain, basically, and even your mood, and so on. Remember, it's designed initially as a weapon. But here it's all a fun, fun, fun thing, and they could, they could say, um, Fallon started and stopped each experiment block with DTMF tones 
transmitted in AM on or about 2.8 and 3.3 megahertzes, each channel fed with audio tones of different frequencies, or in the case of music, as a separate stereo channel. So that was the, the way of stopping radio guys from saying, what's this woodpecker effect? What you normally had is that's the standard sound you had right up until not too long ago, actually. Now, they've tried to say that the harp shut down two or three years ago, but it didn't, because I was picking it up all the way to about a year ago. And pretty well every day you pick it up on different frequencies, and it literally sounded very sci-fi, uh, this sound you would hear. And so it was used to bathing the whole the whole continent in this, this awful frequency. Anyway, here's the happy, I'll put that the happy article up to from the Pentagon, obviously, to show you it's just a, a happy thing, superheating atmosphere. By the way, the, the, it costs, costs about 5,000, hold on a minute. Yeah, it says here, Fallon has been working under a $60,000 National Science Foundation grant. So that's how you funnel it, the, the money in, you know, from the, the Pentagon. So during campaigns, significant expenditures for fuel and personnel are required. The grant abstract said large startup costs make HARP experiments largely inaccessible to individual researchers unless multiple experiments or funding sources can be bundled together during a campaign of up to two-week duration. It costs around, I think, 5000 or more, $5,000 at least minimum per hour just for, to fuel it, just for the fuel. And sometimes, I think too, before they were, they were tapping into the grid, probably from Canada, and the power was going out, that was, was happening a few years back. And strangely enough, the power did go out here a couple of nights ago again. So I, I wonder, we'll never know, eh? And it'd be a conspiracy theory if you, if you tie that in. Which is the beauty of, of people who do things, never, never admitting it. Then they, they can always uh, call you a conspiracy theorist if you catch on. Anyway, there's that article. Then there's Harp Schedule's first experiment since the UAF takeover. It says experiments are scheduled through the end of the month at the High Frequency Active Role Research Program. The research sta- they call it a research station in Gakona in Alaska. And again, Alaska Fairbanks University professors, who no doubt will be CIA clearance and all that kind of stuff. They have to be for anything they find out that's important. They're involved in it. So there again, they create an artificial aurora. Well, I've done that many times over the years since they were using it every darn day for years before, so that they don't have to find anything about their aurora, as you well know. It says it's being operated as a pay-as-you-go basis, similar to the poker uh, flat rocket launch facility it runs for NASA. So it's obviously very important up there, eh? Uh, she said, HARP is expected to be online for less than a day during this first run of projects because it's costly to operate. It's been buying every other day, I've noticed it, on the radio. The rate for running HARP runs about $5,000 an hour. Uh, Mitchell said the generators are very expensive. It takes a lot of fuel to run per hour. It says the generators energize HARP's 3.6 megawatt transmitter, um, beaming signals through 180 antenna into the ionosphere 50 to 600 miles above the Earth's surface. It says the public can track what's going on through HARP's Facebook page. I'd rather listen to it through the radio. And you can pick it up and you can actually catch the frequencies that it's on. Oh, it says here too, this whole thing about, oh, it's a happy, happy thing in Facebook and so on, is part of an effort to debunk lingering conspiracy theories about what happens at the former military research facility, the former military research facility. Those are the ones that include uh, weather and mind control. See, that's rubbish. That's nonsense. That, that's, 
you can actually see uh, Nick Bigich's um, talks. And in fact, you can actually see CBC, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. They had an interview with some of the people, that one of the, the, the main guys up there. He was a public relations lawyer <laughs> for the military. Uh, and you, you, you'll hear what they admit to. And they actually show you in the Nick Bigich uh, articles and so on what they said that, they, that this is capable of doing. And it certainly can affect your moods and so on. So here they go in and ridicule it by saying mind control. So it's just it's just like a, a fireworks thing, just a nice fireworks thing, a pretty pretty sky thing. You see, that's why the military is involved. They they created it because they like they like to make pleasant pleasant occurrences happen up in the sky for you to watch. Nice colours in the atmosphere, you know. It first came out, by the way, in Canada in the nineteen seventies where a facility in Montreal caught what they call the woodpecker effect, this tap-tap-tap-tap-tapping sound. Now it's much more prevalent over the last few years when they've been using this harp facility. And mind you, they have other ones now too that are mobile, and you don't need to have them all up in Alaska. They can be anywhere where you can deliver enough power to, to use. I'm sure many countries are using them. And by the way, I'd, I'd only found out yesterday too, I think it was, when I was looking at... Uh, uh, the harp uh, technology, this this frequency technology, and I think it was a British military company, armaments company, that came out with it for the U.S. in the first place. So, big business for warfare. Eh? Oh, sorry, making pretty lights in the atmosphere. I'm sorry, I was forgetting myself there. So I put a, a few articles up on on that, and uh, and you can again amuse yourself. At uh, that kind of money being spent to create pretty lights in the atmosphere. For your entertainment, you know. But I really mean it that you have to think about everything that you read. Now, I did so many articles over the years, and a whole slew of them over the last couple of years, on the changing system of, of, of everything as propaganda that comes out. And I went through all the different handouts from the PR companies that the military uses, uh, handout, handout, handout to all the different media, and which is just printed straight up in the, in the newspapers as as though it's fact. No one investigates; they just accept these handouts. They're happy to get them, and they repeat them, uh, and you get these happy, happy stories of in, of disinformation, and and uh, and that's what militaries have always done. The military defence contractors and so on, in all ages, have have tried to deceive enemies and including their own people. Uh, and that's quite normal to deceive your own people because everybody talks and chats and yaps and so on. And so they want you to, to also not to complain about the fact they're spending so much of your money on this kind of stuff. All kinds, all kinds of weaponry. But they are. They are. The world is really so vastly different from how they train us and constantly update our training, trying to make us believe it's all quite natural and it's all developing by itself. And... Um, and that's all there is to it. And if you, if you think there's any planning involved, then you're crazy, they say. I mean, how, how crazy is that in itself? Because your governments have so many think tanks working for them. And, and they take advice from all these different uh, think tanks uh, on how to manage our minds, what we think, what we do, how we behave, what we believe, and right down to the changes that they, they insist we have, and, and how to how to change people's behaviour, on mass 
without them even knowing they're doing it. And right down to their belief systems and how they'll even respond to certain beliefs. You're constantly being trained. Everything is training. That government's biggest role today, uh, and has been for a long time now, and it's definitely in a role now, is constantly retraining you to suit the masters. And the trick is never to admit they're doing it. Even when you can grab a thousand million articles on how they're doing it and what they're doing over the last few years, uh, that doesn't matter. Um, you're crazy if you even repeat their article. That's the other trick, by the way. Uh, you're being, you'll be, whenever you get a force coming against you for saying something uh, that's just repeating their own articles, then you, it's because, it's because they don't, it's because you understand what the article means, what, how it's said, and you, you can put it across, you'll become, you'll get hammered, you will get hammered. And they can, they'll hit you with all kinds of stupid things and crazy things that have nothing to do with what you're doing. And, and you're constantly being retrained, constantly, constantly, constantly being retrained. It's, it's so dangerous now, it's sad. It's sad. It's like the end of humanity, as far as I can see. I really mean that. I really, really mean it. I used to, when I was young, I used to think, well, they could never, ever totally control people's behavior. Right down to the topics that they, they talk about and think about, or even obsess about. But they do now. They can do that, and they do it. No. And they can turn, I used to think too, a long, long time ago, I was going through on, on someone else's show, I was going through religion, and it hit upon uh, revelation in the Bible, and it hit upon Old Testament things. I remember too, there's a lot of old philosophy, in a sense, wrapped up about human nature in these stories that you read. But it's also to do with, with techniques of control and warfare and, and so on. And one of them is about how, how children would turn against their parents and wives against their husbands and all the rest of it. And I thought, I thought even when I was maybe up to the age of 12, I thought that, that would be kind of hard to do. How could they do that? But they can. And then, then throughout my life, I lived through it as they did it all with the different revolutions, you know, cultural revolutions. I watched it happen. And I listened to the songs that they churned out there. As Bob Dylan told the parents to get out of the hallway, they're in the way, basically, the revolution, and things like that. And, um, and that's what, how, you, how you train the youngsters to emulate. You give them the idols, you give them the stuff to sing to. It's very simple. And they turn against their parents. Then you, you also had the front, front guys out there uh, who, were to, who came out with the, the, the repetitive chant of don't trust anybody over 30. And then they reduced it and reduced it until the only people that the children would bond to that were older, slightly older, were the teachers. That's why they started getting younger, younger teachers and firing older teachers. I'm not kidding you. This is all the behaviorists at work. Think tanks are behaviorists and psychologists and neuroscientists. See, that's what psychology is really for. It's not to help anybody out of a mess. It's, it's really to... I mean, anybody can do that with a bit of comfort and help. Uh, but, but they're really there to study what works. Nudge the person, how they react to the nudge, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and so it's to, it's to control folks' behavior. That's what it's for. It's a dangerous weapon. 
Now, many folk, many folk threw their religion out the window and jumped on, on psychology as, a, as the new religion. You know, the new, better, softer, kinder religion that would help people. That's how they saw it. And, of course, it, it turns out to be used mainly on controlling populations, masses of people. And the behavior has gotten in the act too, big time. And, uh, we're not, and then the neuroscientists as well. So it's all about control. And that's what all the money is going into in all these different fields is control, 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 control. And they decide what kind of people that they want to create through all this control. And they also decide how to stigmatize different groups of people or individuals who see through it all and don't want to go along with this control. And they like to, to drug folk, actually, who, who can speak out now. And children, too. Uh, because they can see something wrong with all of this mess. So drug them. Then they're no more of a problem, you see. And I'll be talking about that tonight, too. But uh, here's an article, for instance, uh, that kind of ties in with it. A few articles do. There's not much out there apart from what's happening in the U.S., and that's <laughs> almost getting to be taboo as well, I think, to be honest with you, because everyone's up in the air as to what's actually happening. Anyway, I mentioned this phrase, well-being, and how this would this is a new type of way of controlling masses of people, even countries, whole countries. Uh, the well-being. You, you could be starving to death, but if you felt good about it, you could be. Then you're okay. And you got a nice little chick. Uh, it's, a, it's a way, in other words, to try and find out just the critical levels of how to abuse whole populations. If you can keep them feeling well about things, or keep them busy and entertain with cheap entertainment when their bellies are rumbling or whatever it happens to be, then you control them. You get to know the limits, just how far to push in any particular area. I'm not kidding you. That's how things are. Now, governments have no rights to come in to people's lives and tell them what to believe. We have that across the board in all countries now, as you well know. There's certain topics you've got to avoid that used to be classified, called insane even, you know. But now, no, not now. You, you, you better just go along with the flow. You know? I mean, this is how bad it is. That's how bad it is. Governments' intrusive well-being surveys quizzes school pupils on habits at home. And this is from the UK. And it says, the well-being surveys are part of the Scottish National Party governments. I mean, there's nothing been more communistically, socialistically run since this old Soviet Union in Scotland right now. It's the test bed for all these programs. Gerfeck have gone through, then the latest one is getting it right for every adult as well. So, so they side with the child, children, now it's adults, and, and, and so literally the government's right in your home. Right in your home, and constantly testing you. Constantly. So here, here they are, you know. It's called SNP Government's Realigning Children's Services Program. The, the well-being surveys, and double-speak it, well-being. Oh, well, who's going to complain about well-being? It's for the good, isn't it? Well, make you well. They're part of the SNP government's reeling children's surveys. Also asked youngsters in page 5 to page 7, how often do you feel that your life is going well? Now, children, uh, as far as I remember it, 
Uh, half the time you didn't feel you belonged anywhere. You think you came from, uh, you're a Martian sometimes because you're growing up, you're looking at all these strange things, you're trying to figure out everything, how, how things work, how everything's going on, what's it all about, and, and all that. And then they go through even the adolescence, you know, and later adolescence, they try to reassert themselves and find out who they really, really are, and, and they learn to, to, to stand up for themselves and things like that. Anyway, it says they're also asked how often they brush their teeth. Well, you see. And that, these, these, now these, these questions are also to throw you off. Brush your teeth. Where are their parents, now right from there to whether their parents have bad fights, and if they have a garden to play in. One question states, how much do you worry about adults drinking too much alcohol at home? While others probe for information about consumption of fruit, vegetables, and fizzy drinks. And it says, um, a secondary school questionnaire has also been carried out, asking pupils if they've been bullied for their accent, their skin color, or sexual orientation. How often they eat McDonald's, Burger King, or KFC, and who lives with them at home? The children, some as young as 11, are also asked if they have ever taken any of a vast array of drugs, including speed, amphetamine, crystal meth, LSD, ecstasy, heroin, crack cocaine, methadone, ketamine, or synthetic highs such as benzofury, MCAT, clockwork orange, or black mamba. A third survey is for parents and carers and probes personal issues uh, such as how often their child has visited a GP or AS, uh, that's admissions and emergency, uh, over the past year, whether both parents live together and how often neighbours are asked to babysit. One questioner asks how much the pupils worry about adults drinking too much at home. Mums and dads are even required to say where they dislike their child, where their child can be sneaky or manipulative, and even if they are fit enough to climb stairs or push a vacuum cleaner. Although the surveys are anonymous, oh, what a lie. In this day and age, nothing is anonymous. It's all done for a very important reason at the very, very top. The answers will be linked to individual identity numbers, well, there you go, and shared across the whole public sector. That's all government agencies. A move which critics say breaches the Supreme Court ruling on intrusive data sharing under the named person scheme. The surveys uh, are voluntary, although some parents in Falkirk, North Lanarkshire, the two areas where they're currently being carried out, claim the choice is not properly explained. They never do that. I'm from the government, you know, and the folk immediately cringe because they've been trained to do that. It says uh, Patricia Vass from Falkirk says, My eight-year-old daughter, eight years old, came home from school with a form regarding a survey that they were taking in school about well-being. There was a tear of slip for parents. They opt out within 10 days, but no date on the form, so no way of verifying the deadline. She said there were no links to the survey questions on the Realigning Children's Services website, although they were eventually made available on Thursday following inquiries from the Scottish Sunday Express. Ms. Vaz added, I know from the named person court case that it was the data-sharing element of the legislation the Supreme Court ruled unlawful, and this survey is a fundamental part of that agenda. Well, I think the whole thing's unlawful, don't you? Don't you? I mean, what's the government? Government, what do you expect from a completely communistic socialist government? And that's unfortunately what, what, what they've got in Scotland. They really have. It's the old Soviet system on steroids. 
And, you know, the folk there have been so bashed and worn down and, and out of work for so darn long they go along with all this stuff. I'm not kidding you. Because Scotland, when I was small, I remember in the newspapers, and I was only, I don't know, nine, eight or nine maybe, and it was a big world meeting they were having at the time. And it was by the Royal Institute for International Affairs, which is the big private organization that also owns Council on Foreign Relations, European Foreign Relations Council. It's all a big one, big world club, this private club that, that plans the future for everybody. That you don't vote on, that puts all your politicians in too. And uh, this big meeting we were having in London at the time was to, to do with the future of Britain because they were mer- going to merge it down the road into the whole European Union and so on. But it was also to do with uh, work and all that. And they were deindustrializing Britain heavily from World War II. That was part of the big plan that they never bore telling the public about at the time. But also they said that Scotland would be turned into... Uh, they had nothing for Scotland except a tourist industry. Can you imagine your country having its future planned by a private club that writes all amalgamations for, for amalgamating into uh, the European Union with the European Parliament. It's all this private uh, totalitarian stuff. And you don't get to vote in it. But they already planned that Scotland, uh, all these people in, in the Royal of International Union, Scotland was going to be a tourist industry. And, and I had visions, because I'd watched a movie once, it was an American movie. Uh, I, I saw... In my, in, a, in my mind, this, your mind's eye just flashes as a child, you know, that's how you kind of picture things, which reinforces the thought, and that's why you remember these things. And I saw myself and other people sitting inside the road in this, this little flash I had, selling beads to tourists, just like the American Indians were doing. And it's not that far from the truth, only that they, they make sure there's enough... You understand, when you denationalize a country, as Darwin said too, it falls apart. Denationalize the people, it falls apart. All who it is, what it, what it is, is, is was, uh, literally will turn itself and destroy itself. But also, the, the powers that be wanted Scotland destroyed completely. Just like they want Sweden destroyed and other countries too so destroyed. But that, by the time they wanted Scotland destroyed. Because Scotland really had, may have been part of the, the, the union with, with England, and it fought in all the wars, always in the front lines. But really, and it had shipbuilding and lots of work at one time, good industry. It was all deindustrialized. What are you going to do with the people? Well, you make sure they've got, they got unemployment, enough money to get drunk and so on, because they get depressed and they start literally being self-destructive. That's what Darwin said, and that's all the, the different programs they put into the Scottish. And then they opened the borders wide to mass immigration, to further get rid of what they hated, it seems to be. And that was that Celtic influence that, that did not like to go along down through history with totalitarian regimes. So what do you do with it? You, you get rid of it, don't you? I'm not kidding you. That's how the world is planned. And big, big think tanks and big meetings at United Nations, not, on, not available to the public to, to, to just walk in and listen to these things. They have them all the time. Uh, they decide the future. How do we get rid of this and how do we get rid of that and so on? And that's what they do. But what they've done to Scotland literally comes under genocide. 
and Ireland too, starting a long time ago, because once it's under genocide, you also have destroying the culture. They know that. And that comes under it. Destroy the culture, destroy their language, destroy, and right down to what they've done eventually is just literally destroy the family unit. That was high up on the socialist agenda. Because the family, of course, uh, tends to be a small tribe, and it will stand up with more numbers that way against government. And when you've got lots of families that are willing to stand up together, then the government has a problem. H.G. Wells went through that whole thing, and he was a socialist, an awfully wealthy socialist, because these are the masters, of course. They plan your life, and they do awfully well for themselves, but they want you to live in austerity. If they want you to live at all, that is. But that's the world as as it really is, folks. If you, I mean, you do have a, a mind. Uh, you don't have to go around talking to people like 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 that and, and explaining things to them. If folk don't want to know, then don't bother telling them. Don't tell them. Tell, but at least live inside your head and be sane for your own behalf. And you will make sense of everything that's happening. Things that most folk brush off. You understand when folk don't really make sense. They can't make sense of certain things. They brush it off and they don't retain it. That, that's intentional. By the masters That's intentional But if you understand it Just don't go around Telling everybody Here's why this is happening And that's happening and so on There's a lot of damaged people out there The indoctrination process Is is very effective And most folk are really indoctrinated Very, very well Mind you, they enjoy it They will enjoy it and not to be nasty, but uh, it, there's analogies, many analogies. Uh, for instance, you can get cattle who are so domesticated uh, that they come to the same spot every day for their water, same spot for their food, and so on. And if you, after a long period of time, or maybe a nicer generation, just turn it all off, they'll stand there and they'll, they'll just starve and get sick and die if it's not there. The reason you domesticate something is to make it easier for you to manage. Well, that's why you are domesticated, to make it easier for your masters of the world to manage. It's quite simple. Quite simple. And they talk about the wild man running the world. That's what Charles Galton Darwin said in his book, The Next Million Years. And he was a physicist. He had all these awards in, in, in England. And he worked on the Manhattan Project too, in World War II. So he liked to kill lots of folk. And, but he, he, he did talk about uh, the wild man. He says, we, 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 the rulers, he says, we up at the top, with the right genes and so on, who inbreed and all that. He said, we must remain wild. We are the wild men meaning the public are domesticated, they're not wild anymore. But we are the wild men. We have to retain our, our intellect and our ability to grab facts quickly, instantly, and deal with problems instantly. Because we are basically running the world. We're, st- we're the captains of the ship. Uh, where the people don't need that anymore. They'll be domesticated. And the state will be... Um, basically making all our decisions for them. Well, that's happened. But you have all this entertainment on board with you and public-private partnerships. 
they're half military, half private corporations with all your electronics and your little toys uh, that you're addicted to. And you, you look at your children. Look at your children. Anyway, I don't want to preach to you. I'm just mentioning if you have a functioning brain, use it. Don't be ashamed of it. Uh, don't think there's something weird about you. You should just accept the fact you're, you're luckily enough, lucky enough to understand what's going on. And you're not fooled or conned like most folk are, but don't feel superior or smug about it because you can still get fooled and conned here and there, believe you me. But most folk are, are quite happy in their, in their servitude. Like Rockefeller said that himself. We can bring them to us and with, for servitude, basically, with perfect docility. They knew all these techniques long ago, and they've been using them ever since. But getting back to that story on on the test base of Scotland with massive government intrusion into everything, where they monitor your thoughts as children. Uh, What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And if, if it's not up to political correctness, then they want to bring you in early and tweak your brain. You're into, you are into clockwork orange then. They want to grab you early and, you know, adjust your brain to make sure that uh, you end up like a a good servile ant like everybody else. Despair, poverty and despair wreaks havoc in any culture. Any culture. And it's used as a weapon, always has been. Now, I didn't want to preach about all this stuff. I just had to hit on this topic and it just set off little alarm bells again. But that's that article there. And I've done talks on Gerfeck from the, from Scotland as well, where the government literally they put an advocate in every home from the, from the state who must get access to the, the child. And also can sleep on the family and all the rest. It's just disgusting. That's for every citizen, by the way. And then there's another article here. It says, if this is the future of social work, God help us all. And I think this is from a social worker, actually. It says, I work for a council social work department. I guess it's in Britain, too. Hold on a second. And I guess it must be socialworktutor.com, it's called. And uh, I guess it might be in Britain, I don't know. It says a social work uh, department is currently being supported by an outside firm who've been brought in to help with our transformation program. They love transformation. This is the century of change, transformation, remember. Where they really domesticate everyone. No one, no one has missed, no one slips through the net. This is, that's their own words, by the way, from other articles I've read over the years. This firm managed to save a lot of money for a council in a different area, so on the promise of payment by results, they've been brought in to do the same thing for us. So this is efficiency experts, basically. After a month of shadowing social workers and collecting data, they've come up with a plan that they promise will save money and increase production. If they don't save money, they don't get paid. The stress and pressure that uh, this process is putting on already depleted teams is overbearing. They've brought in weekly meetings where graphs are produced and targets that we must meet are discussed. That's typical of these 
efficiency experts, as they call themselves. If individuals aren't meeting their allocated targets, they're taken aside and spoken to. Those of us who are managing to meet targets are having to work until 8pm every night and most weekends just to keep our heads above water. If by some miracle a social worker has completed all the tasks they have been set for the week, they're still pulled up about something called their uh, throughput and told that they should be getting through more work. When you're in this vulnerable position, it doesn't help that your manager is telling you other people are managing and uses the odd high-performance worker as a stick to beat the rest of us with. Workshops have been set up for uh, scrutinizing cases, and these workshops are used to monitor social workers and focus us to answer questions like, have you used all available free services before? Looking at formal support. Are you being risk averse? <laughs> are, is your assessment strengths based? Strengths based. Are you undertaking the best practice you possibly can? To support this new way of constantly working to targets as hard as we can, they brought in new procedures for our admin staff. Our electric calendars are now given to admin, who are informed when we have new case allocations. They now look at your diary and boost visits in your calendar without checking with you first. It's done under the guise of saving us time, but the reality is that it makes you feel like you're not trusted or competent enough to manage your own workload. What it actually does also, amongst other things, is, is make the people uh, become bosses to the so-called clients or patients' clients that they see. It makes them bosses. Get on with it. And they'll take it off and run off to the next one. That's what it's really about. It's less, less personal, humane treatment. That's what it all works out to be. And life is coming that way. And the big boys at the top want it to be that way. They'd like to just press little buttons and have us all do exactly what they want us to do at that particular time. I'm not kidding you. It reminds me of the old movie, THX 1148. I think it was 1148 anyway. Uh, of the future uh, society, total control of everyone, almost the state of humans being robotic in their reactions and so on, kept drugged to an extent to make them compliant. But what's interesting in the movie, a lot of good points interesting in the movie, in fact, was it kind of ran along that line of a, a tiered society, public-private, right down to having... The ultra elite at the top that owned everything, basically, which is always the way, like Charles Galton Darwin prattled on about. But also the Darwin family, Aldous Huxley and so on, uh, his brother Julian, all, all related, by the way, to each other. Um, and Julian Huxley did mention that he belonged to the scientific uh, elite. Uh, so you had the very top, the ones who own it all, financially and run all that kind of stuff. And then you have underneath them the scientific elite that manage all the people underneath them through different scientific techniques and management and psychologies and so on. And that's what you had in THX movie, 1148. You had, you had if you really watch it carefully, um, everyone's, every drone, every human is managed so well, right down to sexual release and so on by machines and things like that, and a, a form of assemblance of almost normalcy in some ways. But also they had in it um, the management of the individual. When the individual went off his, his, his 
is actually prescribed medication. Everyone had to take medications to keep them in this drug state, but still able to work in their monotonous jobs. The, and dangerous jobs too. Uh, if someone went off it and started to think for themselves, they didn't have the information just to know things. I mean, can you imagine getting off drugs for your whole life? You've been drugged into compliance and so on, but you don't understand what's going on. You don't even understand the system you're living in. Uh, you don't even know that you're underground in an underground complex, massive complex, uh, and that everything around you is managed by different layers of professionals. And at one stage, uh, the main character in it, he's picked up by the robot police that shock him and do different things. But also during that, it, it, it pans away to this bank of computer screens and these kind of scientific elite that you don't, they don't mention actually, but you, you see them and hear them talking to each other about the subject, how, how their reactions are and all the rest of it. It's all technical jargon, how the subject's reacting to these shocks and so on, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so that's where <laughs> they showed you. Uh, and I mean that it wasn't just this sci-fi stuff the, the, the boys who write it all um, get into the futurist societies way up there along with the, the, the military industrial complex and everything else um, and the top professors and that's where they get their ideas from and they often simply incorporate it into story form but that's what, what the elite would like to actually have you run as a compliant, very predictable society. And every individual must have total data collection and total monitoring all the time, 24 hours a day. And, and you're doing it yourselves. You're volunteering all that information uh, with your, your electronic gadgets um, because uh, that, that makes them secure at the top. That's, they cannot be secure if they don't have total information about what you're up to, what you think, uh, and what you might come down the pike one day and say, and they don't want that. They, they've got to know you perfectly well. And you might say head you off at the pass uh, before you get to the stage where you might be a very good leader uh, and a leader they don't particularly want to have. Uh, that's what, that's literally how the world is managed right now. It's it's perfect management. But they put it in that movie THX 1148 with the different levels of folk that to manage you. And right now you're managed all the time, just like 1148 by unseen people. But they sit behind computers and so on, and they got all your data, and they get all the all the algorithms spinning on you, coming together, and and giving us all its predictions about where you'll go next, what you'll do next, what you'll think next, what you'll say next. Because uh, that's what it's all about. You must be completely predictable. Hence, the need for collecting all of your data all the time. And making it fun to do. It's not beautiful, eh? Make it fun. <laughs> Make it fun. And the folk volunteer it all. They don't, they don't realize that some great writers mentioned in the past, in the, say, the 18th century and the 19th century, uh, even in, in England, in fact, uh, the that the king's men used to be, which were soldiers, uh, they'd have all the rights they needed with, with their rifle and their bayonet. If, if they were after someone or whatever, they'd just ram through people's homes and no warrants, nothing, uh, on, uh, supposedly had to track down whoever they wanted to track down. And uh, this tough luck if you were in the way. People had no rights of privacy at all. They fought for a long, long time to get privacy. 
and you realize it took no time at all to have folk give it all away voluntarily. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that fantastic psychological, neurological control, behavioral-wise? And folk don't think. They don't think, but they'll give away everything for for what they call convenience. Oh, it's so convenient, you know. And and a lot of people really, like, like Rockefeller said years ago, They'll come, basically, for all their needs and wants that need be, with total docility. Uh, because uh, they, a lot of folk like it. They like being kind of managed. They like the idea that they're... Why do you think they've set up all these different groups for you to join? Whatever you can think of, that there's already made group for you to join. So, so now you belong to group. I belong, you know. And you've got all these fake... Sock puppet friends uh, that are giving you tweets and and you know, Facebook friends that don't exist and things like that. You're you're being managed by computers. You really are. You're in THX eleven forty eight movie to an extent, and you'll drift from day to day just like THX did when he was taking all these drugs and he was being a good boy. Until he went off them And bingo As soon as you went off them The authorities showed themselves You know mm-hmm. When you start to wake up Quite some isn't it That's the world we live in though But it's, it really is here They have all kinds of new fancy Psychological nonsensical terms For behavioural disorders As they call it to do with computers and addictions and, and cell phones and God knows what. There's so many things today, electronic-wise. Until folk literally they just can't sleep, they play games and oh, goodness knows what else. You know, there are people out there that commit suicide if they get a bad report from someone on the internet, you know, or, or someone tweeted them. People are literally judging themselves by likes and dislikes and nonsense like that. Most of it isn't even real. As I say, everything's tampered with on the net. Everything in the internet, completely tampered with, completely tampered with. But folk already commit suicide. If you're getting your self-worth from what you think is being bounced back to you, how people see you, then you really are crazy. Because no, most of it isn't real. Most of it isn't real. There are many tools out there. You can use a tool, and that's all you do with the tools. You use it. That's what tools are for. Don't become a tool of those who believe they have the right to own you and manage your brain and do the clockwork orange on you. There are so many techniques now. I mean, that's where all the money goes. On, on literally, <laughs> you always make a laugh. Uh, make you laugh at mind control You have no idea how much work has gone into mind control I've given links out to people who worked, for instance uh, with, uh, For years with governments On harp type technologies to do with, with frequency control Persinger himself in Canada The professor at the university in Sudbury he, uh, he, He's all for it He's worked with that kind of stuff The carbon helmet, things like that and that's that's low level stuff. But I'm sure he's worked much much higher stuff. He's talking about the field. We're all bathed in the field now. 
and shortly we'll all be able to feel each other's thoughts or, or pains or hunger or whatever. Isn't that wonderful? He says, really? The first reason that anything's put out there in technology is, by the, is to be used by the military-industrial complex on behalf of their masters. You see, you have the ultra-elite, the dominant minority that have all the financial systems, they own everything. They run all the financial banks, everything. The big banks at the top, your national, everything. They run it all. And they run the big corporations that come down on a, on a cascading level, really from the apex that go all the way down. Everything's owned by them. And then they have the military-industrial complex. And they use just your sons and daughters to go and slaughter you when you don't behave. And they always have a good reason to do it. At least they can conjure up any good reason. And um, and then they also have to manage you at home more effectively. Most of the time, psychologists, think tanks, uh, neurologists and behaviorists all working together, uh, nudging you, prompting you. Sameness is a thing, creating sameness. So that if they go up with a questionnaire about the thing, things, they're pretty well guaranteed to get the same responses from the vast majority of the public. And when they, when when not enough people are going along with the same responses. They want to find out why. They immediately do surveys to do find out why, to find out how they combat that, to bring even more folk under their spell. Mass behavioural syndromes are being created all the time by experts. And when you catch on to it, they'll poo-poo you and laugh at you and all the rest of it, because that's standard with all uh, military-industrial complex systems. And that's part of the military-industrial complex, believe it or not. Uh, there's lots and lots of people trained at the Pentagon and uh, for uh, public relations, which is really propaganda purposes. Lots of them. Some of them are even radio uh, hosts. You know. But you don't spend years uh, in the Pentagon being trained in public relations without knowing how to spin things, to make things more palatable, even things which are, shouldn't be palatable, to make them appear palatable to the public. You soften them an awful lot. But we're constantly getting it, aren't we? Constantly. And as I say, look at all the different new, so-called new diseases and so on, complaints, blah, 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 blah. Now I'm going to just finish off by giving you this article. Children in state care allegedly medicated as punishment this is Australia, Queensland's public guardian finds. So there's one. And then naughty children are being diagnosed with oppositional defiant disorder and, and then drugged. So uh, you, unfortunately, there's not enough people out there to, to tell children to think for themselves and hide it. Because uh, some, some governments now, want, want if, they, if they can see that little bright spark coming off you, they want to make sure that either they can use you, and if they can't use you, or you won't go along with them, they've got to change you by drugging you. They can't have you. That's what, that's what I've, you, you find that um, many people in the past that were big players in all this system talked about the children that would not be brought on board, wouldn't allow themselves to be brought on board and used against the rest, basically well paid and that they'd take the, the bait and, and the big paychecks and so on, uh, then you'd have to literally eliminate them. And I've mentioned before about Russell talking about that kind of thing. Back in the 30s and 40s in his books, Education and the Good Life and various other ones too. The Scientific Society. 
But uh, go into the archive section at cuttingthroughmidgeries.com and there's thousands of talks I've given over the years. Uh, they go through all this kind of thing. It's awfully important. If you really want to know, most folk don't. They want to be fascinated by things. They can't get facts given to them without uh, really a TV entertainment show going along with it and presented in a, by cartoon characters or something like that. That's what folk want now, unfortunately. It's true. And um, that's what they're used to. That's what they're brought up with, and that's what they want. They, they have a hard time. They can't read anymore. They have a hard time concentrating. They can't listen to just audio, most of them. They can't, they the attention spans. But put, a, put a, a figure on the screen, even a cartoon, and they'll, they'll listen to it, even as adults. It's, it's quite fascinating, the studies on this very topic that the big boys have done over many, many years. Quite something, isn't it? Isn't it something? The world in which we live... They take for granted and you think nothing's happening and it's kind of boring. You have no idea how important you all are, individually. Because your government spends a lot of your money on you to observe you, change you and alter you in your behaviour and to make sure that you're politically correct. They really do. They really care about that. But there's nothing out there really that Bertrand Russell did not discussed, because he was, belonged to the Macy Group, the Frankfurt School, and a whole bunch of ones that created the future that you're living in today. And still a lot of it you've still to go through. They planned it all. The cultural revolutions, even the miniskirt, they planned it all. And promiscuity has been the norm, and so on, and so on, and so on, and so on. But were planned by guys long dead in think tanks, paid for by your tax money via your governments. Quite something, isn't it? So whenever you feel that you're unimportant and you're depressed and you're nobody, don't believe it. Your government spends a lot of cash to monitor and watch you. And they've spent a lot already going through what they call schooling today, your indoctrination process. Yep. And there's a lot of agencies all employed at the top, just like THX 1148, observing your every move and how you react to everything. It comes across that flickering screen. Well, it doesn't flicker anymore, does it? They've got much, much better over the years, I must admit. Very hypnotizing. That's what it's done for high definition. Very hypnotizing. But believe you me, uh, you may be watching that, but there's another face always staring back at you. <laughs> Sad but true, isn't it? And that's the way it really is. Now... I hope you can keep warm, all the people who are living in the snow, like I still am here. Big, big melt, as I say, because of the harp, no doubt about it. And it's back to snowing today, heavily, and cold temperatures. So I hope you're all keeping warm, and can afford to keep warm, because all the carbon taxes are coming in too. I was going to touch on them tonight, but there's no time. I may do that next week, hopefully. So from myself, Alan Waterman, to your Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your God's school with you. 